And good morning and welcome to RAERadio.com. It is more sports and we are glad to be back with you after a couple weeks. More sports plus where we talk to former NFL star and All-American Joe Moore. Good morning to you, Joe. How you doing? Good morning, Kevin. I'm doing great. Great, Joe. And uh, we've had a few weeks, so we've been off, Joe, and a, a lot has happened. Tremendous amount uh, in sports and in the country. We'll get to that latter part in just a little bit here, too. But uh, all right, uh, want to get things started, Joe. Um, last night uh, in, in the St. Louis, of course, uh, the college basketball era and new era at St. Louis, you kicked off with uh, new head coach Travis Ford. Billikens still come out on the short end as they lose to Ball State. But uh, there's a good feel about, about uh, basketball at St. Louis University. It should be excited. They're getting some top-quality recruits. You've got a, a coach who has a professional experience and knows how to motivate his players. So I think when you see somebody of that caliber uh, disappointed, that's a good sign. Yes, I think they have a, uh, they're a great team. I think we're, we're going we're gonna to have a great season. I think you're right about that, and, and certainly the people seem really excited as, uh, you know, big crowds back out there. And we should also say Travis Ford, of course, coming to St. Louis U after his, his run at o- Oklahoma State. Uh, of course, Joe, uh, you've been a Missouri grad. He, he has ties to Missouri, played basketball for Norm Stewart at the University of Missouri. That's right. And so he has the experience. He has uh, the winning tradition, and he enjoys coaching. So uh, those three qualifications – and being here in St. Louis where he's going to get some top recruits. I think uh, in the conference that they're playing, they're going to be at, at the top for the foreseeable future. Okay, Joe, and stand on talking about Missouri for a minute, of course, your alma mater. Uh, some tough times, to say the least, since the last time we got together. Uh, still looking for the first SEC win, and, and, and Joe, they take on Vanderbilt today. But kind of talk about what, what has just happened to, uh, you know, Coach Odom, of course, new and, you know, we, we know there's a transition period, but just talk about what you think has happened at Missouri with the football program this year. The, the football program and the basketball program are reflections of the political situation that uh, deteriorated to the point where three of the top uh, professors uh, in their own fields in, in journalism and science and uh, I think agriculture all left and uh, many students left. Uh, this was the lowest freshman enrollment in the last 25 years. So you cannot separate um, the feeling and the disgust that people demonstrated and putting their children under those kind of situations when you're paying the kind of price that you, you have to pay to go to Mizzou and then the qualifications that you have to be in the top 10% of your graduating class to even attend Mizzou. So to be treated in, in a, a caricature type of manner or any kind of derogatory manner is unacceptable to people who think along along those levels. And so that permeates through everything else that goes on at a university. So it, it seeps into the athletes as well. And so people who would have gone to Mizzou are not going. So when you have 19 great players, now you have nine great players. And nine great players won't beat a team with an average of 19. SEC has star quality up and down the line on every team. And the only way you're going to compete with them, you have to have like talent to compete with them. The coaches are all the same. The coaches are getting paid pretty much the same unless they win the, win the national championship. But as far as the level of players that are going to those schools, you have to be able to get and keep kids who are happy and feel good about the university that they're attending. So, 
like you say, what do you suggest they need to do, Joe, to try to turn things around? What, what do you think needs to happen? You have to make people believe that you care about them as individuals and as a group and that you recognize their achievement like you recognize your own. When you make somebody feel welcome, like if you invite somebody into your house, you don't invite them in a the house and you eat poor house steak and offer them a hamburger. <laughs> you let them eat the same thing that you're eating. And so when you come up to Mizzou, don't tell me that a Oriental person or a black athlete is different from the white one. Don't, don't do that kind of stuff to people. Absolutely. You know, we, we, our parents work just as hard as your parents could have put my kid in Mizzou. Like I said, you got to be in the top 10. I don't care what, how great an athlete you are or a scientist student or anything else. You went to Mizzou as well. You had to be in the top 10% of your graduating class to attend Mizzou. That's right. How many state colleges have those kind of requirements? That's Harvard, Washington University, Yale kind of requirements. And Mizzou had that kind of academic record. We didn't get any breaks for being athletes. I talked to other people from other schools, man, they didn't even have to go to school until 3 o'clock to let them get rest and stuff like that. We had to go to regular classes and, and have the average grades to become a teacher and stay on the football team. So I'm going to go through all of that and then be a nigga when it's convenient for you? I don't think so. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go through nothing like that. Yeah, And, and, and so I'll go somewhere else. I'll go to another school. I mean, if it costs me $20,000 a year, Washington University won't take that $20,000. Harris Stowe won't take that $20,000. SIU Everville, and they don't have those kind of situations. And that's what you got to look at. If it was okay, it would be in more places, but since it's only in like in 20 some schools and students everywhere responded after Missouri did in like manner, got all kinds of people fired up all across this country. So it wasn't just here in Missouri and all, if you look at it, all of those football and athletic programs are suffering in the same way Missouri is suffering. No question about it. And, and, you know, usually oftentimes when you hear the national media speak about it, they'll talk about uh, issues on the campus uh, aside from the, from the football team. But, you know, Joe, I, I, I really, if I go back to last year just for a moment, it, it looked to me like there wasn't division. If anything, I saw a unified football team that unified. had come together and said they unified weren't going to play a game. Unified football team with coaches support and to the point that they would not play a game. Right. And, of course, a game is worth $1,800,000 in the SEC. So for them to go and play that game and win it showed that they knew what they were doing. They, their hearts was in the right place. Absolutely, and and if we, they won that game after only practicing for three days. Yeah, that was that was. But that team graduated. See, that's the problem. The coach retired, and the team graduated. So you didn't have that junior college replacement that can come in and play right now and let them freshmen develop into that sophomore junior year. That's what you missed. They missed that junior college transfer group that used to come in there in Mizzou and play right now. We had. 15 on the teams that I was on, on that 68 and 69 winning team mm-hmm. and 70 team. Mm-hmm. We had at least 15 junior college players who was ready to play already. They already had two years of experience playing. So in the tough games, those experienced people knew how to play and still win when the rest of us were just happy being on TV. Incredible. Great point. Great point. So, and if you flip over to the basketball uh, side just for a minute, uh, of course, Kim Anderson a little different here as he – has been there, has had three seasons, and they just haven't had a lot of success. And and uh, on the again, basket, mm-hmm. uh, again, you have a coach who leaves in disgrace. So 
but he was a great coach. So all the kids who have been following him around, still following him around, they don't, they don't go to the school. They go to where that coach is. If Mike Krzyzewski went anywhere other than Duke, he would still get the same recruits because the, the, the relationship he has with those players it has nothing to do with Duke University. It has something to do with that coach. Like Dan Devine showed me letters that kids from all over the country was writing him to want to come to Missouri because they was they had won the fifty nine and sixty super I mean Orange Bowls, mm-hmm. sixty two Blue Bonnet Bowl, sixty five Sugar Bowl, sixty eight. Gator Bowl, and then we lost the national championship to Penn State in 1969 with a 70 Orange Bowl. That kind of success had kids writing in, but he was getting 39 high school All-Americans coming to that school on their own. 39 high school All-Americans on my freshman team out of 74 kids. Right. 39 was high school All-Americans. 39. Including myself. So if, if any coach would have had some success with us, and he was already winning 80% of the games his whole history. Then you get 39 so All-Americans. <laughs> there you go. But I'm saying, if you're going to go there, and I watch you, a, bu- a bunch of us want to be around somebody else who won too. It's contagious for kids that want to win if they've been on a winning program in high school. No question. No question about and it. And if you get a bunch of them together, they know how to win. They'll, they'll do things that the coaches can never do. They'll form a camaraderie. Just, just, just again, referring back to that Vashon game when we was over there at Mel Cornahan. Mm-hmm. That was the only time that those kids cared about each other. All the rest of the time, they were like, they was on TV, they was on film and stuff because they had never played before. Right. And that's right. what you have to go through for a couple of years when kids see themselves on film and stuff. They can't believe it that they look like that. <laughs> so, so they quit playing football and become entertainers. That ain't what you're looking at that film for. You're looking at the film to see what your opponent is doing, not what you're doing. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But it takes a while to learn to do that. And it is winning does have to be, a, a, like you said, a part of the culture, and it has to develop. And so It's a culture. It's got to be a culture for you to win on a regular basis. All right, so still, so we shouldn't be all calling for a Coach uh, Odom's head. He needs some time to turn this thing around. No way. This is, side, this, right? is, this, is, this is his first year. He came in from a coach who got sick, not because uh, the man – uh, gracefully stepped down and passed on the recruiting methods and everything. This man got sick, and he was a part of a racial meltdown on a campus. And so, ball players who would have loved to have come to them play for Pinkle, after that racial thing them kids had to go through, they just said, "Man, I'm not going through that. I'll go somewhere else." Because they ain't going to fix it just in one year. So it might take them five years for people to recover the trust in that coach. It ain't nothing had nothing to do with him. That man is not a racist. Right. He well, played on the team with, with, with players who were mixed race people and black people, Mexican people. He didn't have no problems. And he coached people who, who was in the same situation. So it's not him. And he's a good coach. Absolutely. Well, I tell you what. And, and even, even though they're losing, these kids are having fun, they're supporting him 100%. Yeah, when they poll the kids, they just, every every report that you read about every game, they acting like that. They got the attitude like they won. That's true. That's okay. very true. One, one one quick note too, as we wrap up, and we're, we're ready to head to a break, Joe. But I, uh, there does seem to be a lot of criticism as it's been placed on on Damani Cross, the former Missoula player, defensive coordinator. Talk, talk about that briefly here too. All right, when you lose 
close games by one point. That's defense. See, what good does it be to beat somebody 79 to nothing, then come back next week and lose 28 to 27? Mm-hmm. See, it, like, you need to be able to beat the people who count. Beat the real good teams. And you win by one point. That season, some kids sitting at home watching that saying, y'all cannot be defeated. But you lost that game by one point at home. See, all, all those little things start adding up. Is it, a, is it a coach responsible for this? He's not properly motivating them kids? See, so you got to blame somebody. And when you're having a bad season, see, it's a coach. Next year, that same coach could be coach of the year. That's true. Very true. He, he, he could even deserve to be coach of the year this year, but since they're losing, it don't look like that. Okay, well, that's Joe Moore. Well, Judge, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk some NFL. We'll even sneak a little baseball. I know last, since last time we talked to Cubs. All right. Have won a, a World oh, Series. Oh, man, so what we'll a wonderful thing, that. though. Wonderful thing. And they went seven games. That was wonderful. Incredible. So we'll take a break. This is More Sports. RAERadio.com. And welcome back to more sports on RAERadio.com. It is our Saturday morning uh, sports, our visit uh, with Joe Moore, the former NFL star and All-American. Joe Moore, of course, playing uh, in the National Football League with the Chicago Bears and, of course, in Canada and an All-American at the University of Missouri and a Heisman Trophy candidate. So, Joe, uh, as we get back to the show here, uh, like I said, had a couple of weeks off here. Uh, since the last time we talked, I know you spent a lot of – you lived in Chicago for a good while – the Cubs, yes, Joe, are now World years. Series champions now. <laughs> One of the greatest World Series that I have ever witnessed. It went all seven games and ten innings. I mean, how could you want anything more drama than that? It could have went any, either way all the way to the end. That, that was a great World Series. And I'm so happy from being a former Chicago winner for eight years to see them do it. You know, Joe, and watching that game down the stretch to it, when when uh, the Indians rallied to tie the game at six in that late, uh, late inning in the eighth, it almost looked like the people, the Chicago fans, was you could see it in their face. It was like, here we go again. It was disaster. Not again. Here we go again. Please not again. You know, <laughs> please not again. Uh, you know, 70,000 people got religious all at once. <laughs> <laughs> a, 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 a group prayer, please, God, no. Not this time, right? <laughs> Not uh, this time. And he and he answered it. And and again, of course, that was, but it was a, a wonderful game. Great pitching, great hitting, uh, great strategy. As a matter of fact, it mm-hmm. was it was just it was fun to watch. It was it was, it good. was just fun to watch, and, and I'm just so happy for both teams. I mean, to, to go seven games, and the Cleveland Indians got a whole lot of young people. They they're going to be around for five or six years doing this kind of stuff. Yeah, that's so true, and and. You being here in St. Louis, uh, that not that probably doesn't bowl too well for the Cardinals because, like you said, the Cubs look like they're going to be good for some years to come. The Cardinals are in trouble. Uh, first of all, every year that they get some really good players, they trade two or three of them away. You know, they go and get five players, and then they have a decent season, they trade them away for money. Yes. Yeah, so, so they're in trouble. And the, and the Cubs doing the opposite. Cubs took the, the one great fielder that we had, and took him right to the World Series. <laughs> right. You know, you know we, we all feel bad about that move. No question. I know he's, uh, he He did. went straight to the World Championship. Yep, Jason Hayward speaking of. Okay, Joe, as we can get into some NFL, a couple of big things to talk about in the league as they get ready for week number 11. Uh, let's talk about it now. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys. 
What can you the say Dallas about Cowboys. them? Uh, and Dax Prescott, did we keep hearing that Tony Romo? First of all, uh huh. First of all, Dak Prescott was supposed to sit on the bench for five years and just extend the ca- career of Tony Romo. Mm-hmm. But here's the other fourth year in a row that Tony Romo has some uh, at least seven game missing injury, and this young man has come in and demonstrated that he knows that offense, the same offense that he played in college. But what he's really demonstrating is this is supposed to be fun. I, I'm not, I don't know anything about going to press. I'm 22 years old. They pay me real well, and they tell me go and do this. That's what I go and do. I mean, he's saying it so matter-of-factly, but it's like, hey, y'all, that is why they're giving me all this money to do what I'm doing. And I did the same thing in college. This ain't miraculous that I'm doing this. What's miraculous is I'm doing it as a rookie and not nervous about it. And I don't know what to tell you. No athlete can tell you why they're not nervous because he's probably shaking in his boots and just thanking <laughs> God that he's doing it because he ain't throwing the ball and catching it. He's throwing the ball, and they got the kind of talent this year that remember last year Tony Romo was one of the only person got hurt. They got a lot of injuries they from their did. wide receivers and their tight ends. Yeah, Des so Bryant. Mm-hmm, this year, mm-hmm. Des Bryant was out for most of the year. So this year, they are healthy, all but Tony Romo. Everybody else is healthy. And of course, the young St. Louis young man Ezekiel Elliott. What can you say about him? Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, what what you're supposed to say about him is he the same thing he did in two state championships here in St. Louis <laughs> at John Burroughs national right. championship at John Burroughs. One of our homegrown little boys, and what he did at Ohio State winning national championship. Now he's looking for a Super Bowl championship, <laughs> and he has the kind of drive and the kind of offensive line that might assure him that he'll get just that. He's going to definitely be the rookie of the year. No yes. question. Incredible, incredible. It's just incredible. And, and, I, and I'll say this. They only won four games last year. Dak Prescott and Ezekiel has already earned their salary because they pushed them past what they did last year with all them other million-dollar players. But it took two rookies to make them win. And, of course, talking about them, do they have a big matchup tomorrow? They take on the Steelers. The biggest Steelers, game of the Steelers year. Steelers are coming off a big loss last week. But yep. uh, how do you see and that? So they're mad. Uh-huh. So they're mad. So this is going to be a great game. This is going to be the game of the week for us, I'm concerned. And, you, and certainly you expect uh, Ben Roethlisberger to bounce back. He had a really horrendous week last week, Joe. Uh uh, you know, in their game uh, against Baltimore, but I know you expect him to really come back and play well this week. I, I do because Ben Roethlisberger loves playing football, first of all, and he loves winning as much as he loves playing. So you cannot expect him to do poorly two weeks in a row because he never had. In, you know, in his 11-year career, he has never had two bad weeks back-to-back. Nowhere. Your thoughts on Le'Veon Bell, the, the uh, all-purpose back they have, too? Le'Veon Bell is one of these truly uh, great backs who can take over a game. At six foot, two hundred fifty pounds, he runs like he weighs two twenty. <laughs> and see, and, and he's two fifty, and he was two fifty in college. I mean, and and the, and the man just runs and runs and runs. I, I think see, that's a that's a championship running back. Uh-huh. Look at look at how big Franco Harris was and Jim Brown. Yes, when you have a big back when it gets cold, it's kind of hard to stop them kind of people when you had a great offensive line because they just need a crease. So I think Le'Veon Bell is, is the Pittsburgh opportunity to go to the Super Bowl, but they got to beat New England when it counts. 
and 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 that's a great they gotta, transition. They got to play them. They got to play them again another time, and then they're gonna have to play them again in the playoffs. That's true. To get to the Super Bowl, so they got two more games with New England, and they don't usually lose to no one team two or three times a year. No, they don't. And and and, and real quick, that was a great transition. Another matchup. This is the matchup from the Super Bowl of two years ago, uh, Sunday night game. Joe, uh, New England and Seattle. You talked about uh, Tom Brady. I mean, he's misses the first four games, and Joey looks like he's on his way to maybe win another MVP. I think at 39 years old, those four weeks of frustration allowed him to rest. And he came back so sure that he had been mistreated that he is perfectly relaxed, and he's just playing football. He's not thinking about anything else except football. And so at 39, there's a different kind of level of consciousness than at 25 or 29. Mm-hmm. He knows that any play, this could be over with. So he is so meticulous now, but he, he's not throwing the ball behind anybody. He's not throwing the ball over. He's throwing it like you do in Little League in the hands. And that's hard to do at 39. So I, I, I really believe that they're on their way to the Super Bowl. Incredible, incredible. And, and Joe? I, I don't, I re- and the defense is so good, I think they can beat Pittsburgh when it counts. That's a good point. That's an excellent point. And, you, and you've talked uh, at length about Bill Belichick and, and just how he yes. prepares his team and just, I mean, yes. what he does. Coach up in everybody England. fundamentals and give everybody a situation to be prepared for. Everybody gets to play. And, and Kevy Kev is going to be in there on first and 10. Joe Moore being on second and short. You know, Demetrius Johnson will be in there on, on third and two. <laughs> and you and Joe don't ever go out there when it's time for Demetrius to go out there. Everybody plays every week, so we all hyped up. I'm encouraging you now rather than competing with you. You know, I competed with you in training camp. But after that, we're trying to win together. We're trying to win together. <laughs> all yeah, right. Because we, we go to that Super Bowl, we're all going to get $98,000 for being champion. <laughs> not, just, not just the ones who start. Everybody's going to get the same ring, the same accolades, and the pitch is going to have all of us on it, not just you. All right, and moving right into high school uh, football before we uh, get to a break here. Uh, the number one rated team, Missouri, the CBC Cadets, Joe, they fall to Blue Springs 35-21. You saw them the week before in a massive uh, showdown with Hazelwood Central. Talk about CBC here. CBC is one of the greatest programs that St. Louis has produced in the last 35 years. And the history that impresses me is when uh, Bob Shannon decided to retire from East St. Louis after winning six national championships and 12 state championships. CBC hired him out of retirement one month after he retired. And CBC went from being 8-2 and two because we played them at Beaumont every year until 9-1 every year ever since Bob Shannon's influence has been there. And so they prepare their kids well. And the kids love going there. So those two kind of things of a, of a winning tradition and good coaching and great players is it, not strange that they play. And then they bring out in a Hazelwood Central or a Blue Spring the same kind of driving determination that they possess. This week, uh, they didn't have any double overtime. They got soundly outclassed 35-21 to 21 by a Blue Spring team that played the same offense they did. But I believe that there was some little hangover from that double overtime from Hazelwood Central. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, nerve-wise, not muscle-wise because they're kids, but nerve-wise, the lopsided score that Blue Spring went through last year made, made CBC believe, the players, not the coaches, made them believe that they could they were tougher than Blue Springs just right. by looking at the films. 
they 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 look tougher than Bruce Springs does on film. And as you know, as a coach, film don't play on the field. You have to go out there and beat them that day on that field that hour, those three hours. You can't do the film. You got to go play the game today. And and Bruce Springs was ready for him, and uh, the best team won. That's what I think. And the best team won that day. I I believe CBC may be a better team overall, but on that given day, Blue Springs was the best team, and that's what I love about sports. That you only you got to be good right now when it counts. Right now, not all season, just today, when and it, you didn't do it. And that's when what, it counted. When it counted, right? That's and the between the, that's the difference between the state championship and the runner-up to the state championship. All right, Joe. Well, in our closing moments here, Joe, uh, you know we just had, of course. Uh, uh, presidential election, and, and, and this has extended over into sports. And we should also say, you know, you uh, being a retired history teacher, I know you have a lot of thoughts on all types of topics yes, on I this, do. but the first thing I'm going to ask you about is Colin Kaepernick, from a sports standpoint, received a lot of criticism this week after he he uh, noted that he did not vote in the election after, of course, taking right. his stance for that, uh, of not to stand on the anthem. Some thoughts on that. My thoughts on Nicole Kaepernick not voting he, along with 800,000 other Democrats, didn't go to the polls because they thought Donald Trump had so embarrassed himself that it was a shoe-in that Hillary Clinton was going to win because Donald Trump had really forfeited his opportunity by being the kind of personality that he's demonstrated. And the next day, we all got surprised. So Polish Kaepernick shouldn't be the only one to bear in front of that. I mean, uh, how many... Republican senators who get paid $180,000 a year didn't go and vote because they were so upset. So those people all over this country, Colin Kaepernick is a leadership figure, and what he does, people will imitate, but I think he was imitating somebody in this sense. I see. And, Joe, from a historical standpoint, give us some thoughts. Uh, you, you you know, we're talking to you off there about the Electoral College and how things go. And, of yes. course, we had a situation this year where Hillary Clinton actually won in the popular vote. She actually won the popular vote. And there's one half of the voting public don't even know what Electoral College is because in the last 10 elections, the Electoral College has voted the same way the popular vote is gone. In 1928 and now... In 2016, the Electoral College has put a president in that the people didn't put in. Happened so, in 2000 as well, too, right? In 2012 also. Uh-huh. That's correct. 2000 election. With That's right. Gore and uh, uh, Bush uh, election, absolutely. So, That's correct. So, so have, we, have we outgrown? Is, is it, do things need to be, uh, the Constitution need to be looked at with the Electoral College? What, what with, do you think with, on that? With, when you get 125 million people taking part, in an election. The Electoral College cannot be more important than that many people in a grassroots movement going, taking their time to leave their homes and going to the poll. You got to, the Electoral College should be dismantled. It should, it's time for that to, to, to cease. We have people riding in the street because we have not taught that as teachers or politicians well enough in our organization, in our churches, wherever people learn politics. We have not taught that well enough for people to believe that those 535 people have a better mindset than we do to choose our leaders. So I'm saying they should not have no more vote than the rest of us. Eliminate the electoral college, and I'm one of the people who are going to try to start the petition to do it. So I think that was it's, terrible. It's, I think uh, it was terrible for the for this generation of people to experience something like this. 
So, and give us a quick history lesson here, Joe, on, on in 1789 with the Constitution, 1787. Yes. Why, why, why the need for the Electoral College? The need for the Electoral College at the time was they felt that most people were not concerned about any government at all because they were in a colonial atmosphere. So when they broke away from England, the, the people who were called the loyalists wanted to act just like England. Put a king in charge, so I don't have to be responsible that king is in charge. But when you have a president, that means you're in charge because you chose that president. You're partly responsible for what he does because you selected him. And we were the first country on earth to have a president. So what they decided, white males over 21 who owned property, who couldn't be bribed and bought by special interests, would be the better people to choose their leaders. And so when there was a popular election, they said these 535 people, already chosen by people in their community to represent them in a voting way because all people couldn't go to no polls or couldn't read and write, so they let these 535 people represent 35,000 people apiece. And so they voted the way the people had voted at home. Yesterday, I mean this week on Tuesday, they voted against the popular voting. Anytime the people voted one way, the Electoral College voters do the same thing. And that's the few times that they did not agree with the popular vote, it causes this same kind of anxiety. They should know that they were going to cause this. Donald Trump has offended everybody who could be offended, and then he's your president. Okay. And then my generation, my generation knew who was president at the 10 o'clock news. I'm 67 years old. And you mean to tell me you would still count votes at 10 o'clock in the morning on Wednesday? That's unheard of in my generation. So people like my age feeling betrayed. There's right. a whole lot of stuff that don't make sense in, the, in the, the way we were taught to teach social studies and the way I have voted all these years. And I have worked in the... Uh, uh, Congressman Clay and his daddy's campaign for 26 years. I ain't never heard of this kind of stuff. Well, I'll tell you what, Joe, we are out of time, but we're going to have to continue this topic. This has been right, great. This right. has been fantastic. All right, that's okay. That's Joe Moore. It is more sports. We'll be back with you next Saturday right here on RAE Sports.